and welcome to this episode of AMLE's Research to Practice podcast. I'm your host, David Virtue, a professor of middle grades education at Western Carolina University and editor of AMLE's research journal, Research and Middle Level Education Online. I'm joined by my co-host, Andrew Maxey, Director of Strategic Initiatives for Tuscaloosa City Schools in Alabama and a member of AMLE's Board of Trustees. The purpose of this podcast series is to highlight recent research published in Remley Online and to discuss its implications for the education of young adolescents in middle-level schools and classrooms. Andrew, in this episode, we're focusing on an article titled Leadership Support in a Pandemic, Middle School Teacher Perceptions of Emergency Remote Teaching, published in the April 2023 issue of Remley Online. The authors examined middle-level teachers' perceptions and experiences of leadership support during the sudden transition to emergency remote teaching, or ERT, during the COVID-19 pandemic. And I know that that this is a topic that's really close to your own areas of expertise. Absolutely. Um, It's it's exciting to be talking about this. Uh, My uh, terminal degree uh, is uh, uh, leadership instructional leadership with an emphasis on instructional technology. So uh, I was among the the professionals who felt like perhaps this pivot to emergency uh, remote teaching would be an opportunity to use some of our learning in this area. And my experience was that provided a grounding for thinking about what emergency remote teaching should be. But virtual instruction and online learning is quite different from ERT. Uh, Let's return to the study, which Mm -hmm. had two research questions. The first was, how did middle school teachers perceive their leader support for ERT? And what were teacher beliefs pertaining to student attendance and virtual education? The theoretical and conceptual framing for the study comes from two areas. First, teacher beliefs pertaining to self-efficacy, particularly in the context of the conditions imposed by COVID and ERT, and second, transformational leadership. Citing an extensive body of literature, the authors believed many teachers were apprehensive about ERT and technology, and they asserted that technology infrastructure and supports in place were geared towards face-to-face instruction. Again, uh, mirroring the point I was making just a moment ago. They further posited that leadership that was distributed and transformational was necessary for successful implementation of ERT. Distributed leadership is an important concept in this study. So that's characterized by professionalization of practice, collaboration, and shared decision-making. This is, of course, in contrast to sort of the command and control style of leadership. Mm -hmm. Transformational leaders tend to promote a learning atmosphere, and a collaborative culture in the school. It's a relationship-driven approach that seeks to empower others. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and recent research on middle-level principal leadership has emphasized those kinds of qualities, Andrew. I'm thinking Mm -hmm. about recent studies. Um, Julia Rayom, a researcher Mm -hmm. from Canada, who recently published a piece in Remley Online and in other venues. Uh, in, In addition to leadership support, the authors are also concerned with student absenteeism and with teachers' perception, just their general perceptions of the effectiveness of virtual teaching. 
What they did, the authors conducted a case study in one school in Virginia that they chose in part out of convenience and feasibility, which you know, is not ideal from a research standpoint, of course, but the need to get access to a sample of teachers in the midst of the pandemic, I think was a driving factor here in following this sampling method. The school had 90 teachers, one principal and four assistant principals. They developed a 21 item survey and had that study, they piloted it prior to the study, they subjected it to expert review to establish validity and administered it to 15 of the 90 teachers in the school and then conducted follow-up interviews with those teachers via Zoom. For the interviews, they adapted a semi-structured protocol developed by Purnell for a 2012 study of virtual teaching teams and to improve the trustworthiness of their conclusions, they employed some qualitative research techniques like member checking. That's where the researcher goes back to the research participants to have them check the, the, the accuracy of the data, the accuracy of the interpretations that they're making, um, as well as using collaborative consensus-based coding to ensure reliability between the, the researchers. All right, so they reported six findings. The first three related to leadership support. First, leaders listened to teachers' issues, concerns, and suggestions. Second, administrative was supportive, helpful, and positive. Third, administrators assisted with parental communication. The next three findings related to absenteeism and the general effectiveness of ERT. So the first in this category, attendance in online classes was poor. Second, teachers perceived absent students failed to learn. And finally, teachers desired additional professional learning for online teaching. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and Andrew, you were on the front lines of this shift to ERT in your district. And I can distinctly remember being on Zoom calls with you mm -hmm. and other teachers around around Alabama trying to figure out how to, you know, what to do next. And this is all happening right. in real time. So I'm real curious as we talk about these findings to hear how they relate to your experiences in, in Tuscaloosa and working with others. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so the, the findings of the study re related to leadership support focused on communication, both in terms of uh, principals and assistant principals listening to faculty, keeping them informed during the transition to ERT, and then the authors also appreciated the role administrators played in communicating with families and caregivers and taking on a lot of the direct communication that was necessary. Uh, in, in our case, I was very deeply involved with, first of all, the design of what we attempted to do district-wide in regards to ERT, uh, in, in regards to the communication out with families which was both done at a district level and then also at a school level and just doing a lot of work around helping uh, individuals that work in schools understand uh, what ERT is, like what that, what that even means. And you've got to remember, if you'll recall, there are a, a decent number of teachers at that time who were effective instructors, but had no experience whatsoever at any kind of virtual instruction. Um, even if they, you know, you're using technology, you're doing whatever, that teaching someone who's not in the room with you is very different. Uh, and so helping individuals who had no runway 
in our case, we had uh, literally about a week to try to figure out what we were even going to do before we attempted to launch our version of ERT. So very, very severe whiplash for, for folks. And then you've got to keep remember also individuals who became teachers right at the time or right mm -hmm. during during this time. So their first classes, they, they never came into physical contact with them at all or for very long periods of time. Uh, so yeah, this, this does align with what my experience was that uh, there's a whole lot to unpack here, but the value and the importance of first of all, distributed decision-making, that there are people who accept the responsibility for making decisions. And many of those, you'll also recall, were very contentious decisions yeah. because those are intertwined. Going to ERT is intertwined with the decision not to open a school. And you'll recall how sensitive those decisions became in many communities. So navigating all of that, communicating those uh, decisions, and then also being very, very responsive to those adults and to their concerns um, and to their requests for support, that really, that resonates with me and the experiences we had here in my district. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that last point really resonates with with my experiences as well, working in a leadership position in higher education, but just the diversity of needs of faculty and and mm -hmm. Being a good listener, being responsive um, is, is critically important. I mean, it's important when we're not in a situation like ERT or in some kind of crisis situation, but even more so at that time. Uh, regarding the, the attendance piece, the researchers mm -hmm. reported that, that the teachers felt attendance was poor. I know that was a problem in a lot of places with, with attendance and uh, in, in, in virtual schooling during ERT. Mm -hmm. And they connected that problem with attendance, with absenteeism to lower academic performance. And I'm wondering if that comports with your experiences in, in Tuscaloosa and, and and some of the outcomes that, that, that you saw. Yeah, so yeah. I, I think everyone, you and I and everyone listening to this have had the experience of being in a virtual meeting or a virtual event where there's a decent number of people participating and very low numbers of them have their cameras on, for example. <laughs> so there's this, uh, there's been work done on the psychology of not being in the physical presence of others. And for extended periods of time, seeing this, like you, you and I are looking at each other through a screen and, and that image of you is much smaller than how I would be seeing you if we were in the same room. And so for teachers where there's none of the students have their camera on and their camera is on mute. And that's, so I'm adding that into this issue, this issue of absence, absenteeism, that even if the students were technically participating or even in, in the classroom, in the virtual space, um, not being present, you know, as, as measured by, cameras off, not participating, et cetera, right? So that created a significant issue. And to the question of the impact on student learning, I have yet to hear anyone even attempt to claim that 
virtual learning really of any kind is superior to face-to-face -face learning. Now, it may do some things like, right, it can solve some problems in, in certain situations, but I think it's it's essentially just a given that attempting to learn at distance from each other is an inferior way of learning to learning face-to-face, -face, especially when we're talking about K through 12 students. Mm -hmm. um, and then you add all these other things. That's that's virtual. And if you now we talk about ERT, where we're, we're in crisis, everyone is experiencing this essentially mass trauma on top of all of that. Um, it, it's creating very, very difficult students for uh, situations for students to learn. And what we've seen is that students, in fact, did struggle to learn during that time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, it, it, I, I really like the point you make about how technology can certainly be used as a tool to enhance learning. Uh, we've, we've talked in other episodes about gamification and the potential for that uh, to engage kids. Um, but I'm not sure that we figured out how to do it really, really well at at scale and to, to teach um, large large groups, very diverse groups of kids like we have in our classrooms to, mm -hmm. to you know translate that into an online environment. It's uh, and and you also the point you made earlier about this difference between virtual learning or virtual schooling and ERT, where mm -hmm. One is a specific way of, of doing school where typically people opt into that. That's that, right. that's a choice versus uh, it, teachers are prepared and receive professional right. development. And, you know, uh, it, 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 they're two very different things and uh, not necessarily analogs for one another. Correct. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So also um, the, the teachers were uh, they, they were open, I think, in, in this study to, mm -hmm, to mm -hmm. additional professional learning. I think, uh, if I recall correctly, they were moving to a, a new LMS to Canvas. Mm -hmm. So in the study, <laughs> they had to learn how to use how to use Canvas and get professional development on that. Um, they would have liked to have had more professional development, uh, both face to face and online. Um, but I thought this was an interesting point. Some of the respondents remarked about the need for to take online teaching competence into consideration when recruiting new teachers and preparing new teachers as if, okay, this is kind of a new normal now. We need to be able to do these sorts of things, right? Yeah, that's a really interesting point. And um, I, I think... This has the, this incidence of this pandemic and our experience through ERT have become a bell that we can't unring in education. Mm -hmm. That now that we're here, we have to accept that that's a subset subset of skill that you, you you I'm sure you'll remember maybe as as recently as just before the pandemic we were still accepting the excuse or the claim from some individuals, I'm just not good at technology. Well, <laughs> during ERT, that that's just not a thing. That That's not an option on the table, right? So perhaps we should now fully make that transition and say, 
it doesn't have to be your area of greatest strength, but it needs to be part of the minimum competencies of this job now. Yeah. Uh, the other uh, interesting thought that that uh, we've uh, discussed a, a few minutes ago was that uh, for many of our teachers, this transition, and you mentioned the teachers in the study transitioning into, to a new LMS, which we did as well, just a little bit into the pandemic. In our case, this was a transition at the state level um, uh, to, to a, a stu- sorry, student information system. In our, in our case, some of those transitions for some people became synonymous with ERT to the point where as we returned from the pandemic and then began to to move farther away from those essentially triage practices in some quarters the 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 question was raised basically when when can we drop some of these things we've been doing and the message of no this is really superior practice that we leveraged during this time and we're going to hold on to some of that got lost and we had to come back there. So I, to me, that ties back into both the communication piece mm-hmm. and then the notion of um, in some ways, uh, this the, 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 ne- the necessity of ERT forced us down the road of evolving in the a, as a profession. Um, there's no question that some some significant harm was done through. Uh, the events of the pandemic uh, to student learning in particular, but uh, we can see some positives that uh, we've been able to strain mm-hmm. out of the mess that was uh, ERT and the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, reminds me of Penny Bishop's study that came out back in 2021, where right. she asked teachers about ways that their practice may have improved during emergency remote teaching. So it may be worth revisiting that that study. Um, and uh, one of the points the, the, the authors made, they um, said one of their participants made the assertion that the p- pandemic brought about an opportunity for a paradigm shift, that it's yeah. created new opportunities for rethinking public education, including outmoded ways of instructing kids. Uh, so absolutely sort of a- and i would give you just one quick example yeah. uh, that is less instructional but more about uh well-rounded approaches and in, including the community in several of our schools the fact that schools began providing opportunities for parents to participate with the school virtually so think virtual parent days or or, or events oh, yeah think attending uh, parent-teacher conferences, things like that. For several schools, parent participation rates went way higher during the pandemic. Think about uh, parents who work and don't have the flexibility of time, transportation, whatever the case may be, but who can step away for a few minutes to do something. So for, for many of us, those are... Uh, epiphanies that we had during the pandemic to say, why would we stop doing that now that we don't have to, if it was such a benefit to us? And, and you know, we can think of a lot more examples of uh, pedagogical experiences that teachers had that they're holding on to, to say, listen, that was a great way of, for example, collecting evidence of student learning or things like that. Uh, well, let's hang on to that piece uh, just because we're still in the same room. We're back in the same room together. Let's let's keep some of those good good things that we learned during the process. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure there, there are many examples, and there's just so much more that we have to learn about what the impact of that, this period of history, these couple of years, this tremendous disruption, mm-hmm. and what it's going to mean in the years to come for student learning, uh, student outcomes, as well as teacher practice, how we organize schools, how we engage families, um, all that. Yeah, there's there's a, 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 a somewhat robust literature that's emerged since since the pandemic right. and and there's more to come for sure mm-hmm. absolutely yeah so on that note we'll conclude our episode on leadership support in a pandemic middle school teacher perceptions of emergency remote teaching this article was published in the april 2023 issue of research in middle level education online volume 46 issue 4 Thank you for listening to this episode of AMLE's Research to Practice podcast. We encourage you to read the complete articles featured in the podcast, which are available online through our publishing partner, Taylor & Francis. You can easily find links to Research and Middle Level Education online, the podcast, and other AMLE periodicals and resources under the Resources tab at amle.org. Thanks again for listening and for all you do to improve the school experiences of young adolescent learners.